This is Unsocial Spectators with Clay Harrison and Mark Ramsey. And uh, you can find us at unsocialspectators.com and also at unspectators on Twitter. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of Unsocial Spectators. Hey, now. How's it going, man? Oh, doing pretty good. How's your week been? Pretty good? Pretty good. I I got out of the house. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Went to uh, my comic book shop. Picked oh, up my fun. weekly comics and uh, went to go see my uh, nephew out in Plano. Hung okay. out with the uh, hung out with uh, the family, uh-huh. and then uh, we hit Madness, uh, the comic book shop out in Plano, which oh. is huge. It used to be like an old grocery store. That's how big it is. Wow, that is big. Yeah, yeah, and it's really become more of a gaming store now mm-hmm. i went in looking for like comic boxes and some uh, comics i was missing and they they used to have like the entire length of one wall was just comic books hmm. like that had come out so uh but they were real bad about putting you know like putting them into back issues so they just would have this huge wall when that's like half the size of that Whoa. And where they had rows of graphic novels, they have rows of D and D figures, oh, miniatures, okay. and all sorts of gaming stuff. Yeah, maybe a huge pop collection. Maybe, maybe that's easier to sell. You know, some stuff. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm very curious what the numbers are on digital comics, you know, versus physical, because recently, because uh, Amazon owns Comixology. Uh-huh. And Amazon will fuck you at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they they have, and they have fucked comic people because they basically took out all the cool things that made the digital app work and uh-huh. and and read because you could go through like they had like a smart view which would basically close in on each panel and go panel by panel. So if you have bad eyesight like me, it was great to read digitally because you could get a full blown panel. Uh, you know, uh, to the size of your screen. And now it's like just utter shit. It like, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, it's using the Kindle app. Basically it's kind oh. of a Kindle hybrid. Yeah. So it's really Fuck. shit. And so like, we've, we've really been preaching to people on our show. Like you don't own digital comics. You just are buying the right to read them that they still own them. And if they, like, if they shut down comiXology and relaunch it as something else, you've lost everything. Uh, all software is like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but people who are used to like, you know, publishing and books and reading and stuff feel like, Oh, well if I buy it, I own it. It's like, yeah, the only place you can really you, get comics, digital comics that you own or like through humble bundle. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, that way with everything digital, it's a license stone or license to use it, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, that's why I'm still a big physical media guy. I still buy, you know, hard copies of all my comics and stuff. And, um, I just don't buy digital anymore. Like I, there are some issues that I'm missing for like some stories to read. I would rather wait to hunt down the physical copy than buy the digital copy. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, that's that's the way everything's going, though. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's funny to see like when people like lose like uh, like maybe they 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 have a favorite movie they stream somewhere and then they they lose the rights to it. But it's it, the rights are s- such a weird thing because like you see stuff like Marvel did Netflix shows. Uh-huh. And then their contract basically said that they couldn't use those characters for two years after they stopped making shows. And then Netflix loses that show and then it goes to Disney Plus. Uh, and it's very hard to find physical copies of those. They did some uh, special edition steel books that I've been trying to track down, like for Daredevil. Right. But yeah, stuff like that, like, you know, I'd rather try to find a, a hard copy so that I have at all times. I mean, I. I am lazy and I will stream stuff from my Plex server, but if I've got the uh, the digital copy, I'll just pop it in my PlayStation and go. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, 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 the The Oscar winning movie is on Apple uh, TV Plus. You can't get a physical copy. Yeah. You know, I would usually get it in my library, but. You can't get it, you know. So I had to. I'm I'm having to do seven days of uh, Apple TV Plus so I can watch it, you know, and then, yeah. and then cancel. I, well, how are you enjoying Apple? I haven't got it yet. Oh, that's what you're gonna have to do. Cause, yeah, cause I'm gonna know. I'm gonna get it on Monday so I can watch it Monday and then immediately cancel. There's nothing what? on Apple TV I want to watch, so. Yeah, I kind of want to see that Ben Stiller written show with Adam Scott. I've heard that that's good. Eh, but yeah, eh. that's about it. That's the only thing on there. Uh, I but did. Like, like I, I did my Paramount Plus seven days so that I could watch like the new Jackass movie. And then when I tried to cancel, they, they gave me a month for free. <laughs> and so now, because yeah, I, because like, they just have shit. Yeah. Paramount Plus has here are their IPs: Star Trek, Jackass, Star Trek, and that's it. Yeah, you know their last big release movie was some uh, what's his name, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch movie, Infinite. Mm. It looks, you know, I, I don't want to watch a Marky Mark movie unless it's Transformers. I mean, mm. that's when he played a real character, a Texan who was into robotics. Yeah. <laughs> I think we found a Transformer. It is my favorite Transformer movie, but man, it is so fucking bad, and that's the only reason I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, nothing on Paramount. I mean, uh, 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 I watched the Picard series because they have it at the library, so yeah. I don't I need watched- it. It, well, it's and again, you, when you talk about like licensing and stuff, it's weird when you have a company that owns properties that doesn't put everything on its library. Yeah. So, like, I I watched uh, Florida Bama Shore, which is you know the uh, Southwest <sighs> knockoff of Jersey Shore. Yeah, I know, and it's just drunk people arguing, fighting, fucking, and it's just kind of like it's mindless to watch. And I could do other stuff when I. And so I put it on, and and it's just and to me that's like mildly entertaining. Oh, it sounds it sounds like watching the CPAC convention. <laughs> well, 
the other one they had well they that's the other thing is they have uh jersey shore jersey shore family reunion then there's geordie shore which is a british version and then there's alcapulco shore which is uh the spanish version i've never seen a second of any of it <laughs> it's it's trash tv it's mindless and i can put it on and work on other things and, you know, like and i don't it, have to pay attention it's scripted bullshit basically yeah, yeah, for the most part, you know, it's it's really what I'm watching is, like, these people partying, and, like, I, I guess it's kind of a flashback to my 20s, and, like, what was that time period like, and it's interesting to see people who are 20-something figuring their shit out or not, or dealing with it with alcohol and drugs, and then be on TV, and how they behave with like I I thought about like well, if I had social media when I was a kid or if I was on some sort of live production like that how much would I have fucked up my own life by having cameras on me and how I would behave I would never do it though you know back then I'd just feel yeah. and eh, no no thank you yeah uh, I I started watching all the Jackass movies but yeah for having a seven day trial and then a whole month i pretty much have already watched everything i can on paramount because it's just not that good yeah you know i know they have those tyler sheridan shows that people love but yeah i watched two movies i was like i i, I will try out their horror section because i know they have scream and uh the first one i watched was called the deep house or wait a minute, was it The Deep House? Uh, shit. I think I've seen that that movie poster on uh, on film Twitter. Yeah, The Deep House. It put me to sleep. <laughs> it it's kind of like a cool <laughs> idea of these. It puts you tourists. in a deep sleep. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a cool idea. It's like these tourist people who go like snorkeling and scuba diving. And this guy's like, hey, I've got this cool place I'll take you to. And it's like this house that's like submerged, but kind of still complete. There, it, you know, you just get a lot of jump scares. And then I was asleep and I woke up and it was over. <laughs> uh, and then then the other one, I was like, I knew what I was getting into when it said starring Tara Reid. Oh, oh, yeah. She's a great actress. <laughs> yeah. So this was. Party bus from hell. Oh, party bus to hell. Boy. And <laughs> the premise is there are people on this party bus going to uh, Burning Man, and they are attacked by, uh, I guess, some sort of cult. I, they don't yeah. really describe it other than there's a lot of topless women. Well, There's yeah, a lot of blood. Oh, um, um, I only it, saw a topless women in Burning Man. <laughs> well, there are these these cult people, and there's this one woman who is just topless the whole time. So you just know her as the topless girl. Yeah. But then as more topless women start to appear, that's Burning they, Man, though. I mean, okay. Well, uh, then, 
That's what this cult was about. Yeah, uh, I went to Burning Man once, and uh, uh, I, I drew my van out there, and uh, it was nice to have a portable uh, place to, you know, hang out with topless women. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was pretty cool. Uh, But yeah, I had a good time. I took a ton of drugs. I I went into a Uh, (laughs) K-hole. Yeah, ketamine. I went into a a K-hole. I took acid and uh, mescaline and mushrooms. and, And you were there how long? Uh... Like uh, four or five days. Whoa. Yeah, wow. no, it was awesome, man. Yeah, out in the middle of the desert, it gets a little cold at night. But they yeah. still are topless and when it's <laughs> cold. Uh, well, this is a super awful movie. I, I don't know how I got through it. Uh, pro- well, the boobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then the really bad... Uh, death scenes, decapitations. I mean, they're just they're they're comically hilarious. Oh, like yeah. you know, at one point it just kind of looks like okay, we're gonna see like this head explode, and then it's like okay, that's bad, and then they overdo it to make it funny. And I don't know if they meant for it to be funny. Uh, so I know I'm a week late, uh, but I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, the best April Fool's pranks that uh, you've ever done or someone has done to you? Oh. I don't know if this is the best, but this is probably the meanest. Uh And because it stuck in my head how mean this was like decades later. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in high school, uh, there uh, a friend of mine uh, lived across the street and, you know, we would hang out and his girlfriend was over and there was this like news story of a prison break. Uh-huh. Now we live in Rowlett. There are no prisons in Rowlett Garland that Mesquite, the, the, the closest prison would like be in Dallas. Yeah. And so my buddy tells me, Hey, Let's let's give her a scare. Why don't you go hide in the back of the car? And I'm like, okay, this should be fun because I'm stupid and young and dumb. And then I go, okay, I can make this better. I have a ski mask and a knife. And I, yeah, <laughs> this is just so fucking mean. This is so mean. So so we had seen this news story on the deal. He he tells me, hey, let's play this prank. Go hide in the car. They come out. She does not see me. She opens the door and and then sees me move and just like not even the knife, just the mask and scream bloody murder, grabbed him. She was sobbing and crying the entire time. And we were like trying to calm her down. It was a prank. It was me to the point I had to leave because she was still sobbing and crying. And she was so fucked up from that. Wow. And I was like. Yeah, I know, and I think about that every now and then. Go, man, that's probably one of the worst things I've ever done. Yeah, it was a prank, though. You know. Yeah, I mean, I was probably sixteen or fifteen at the time, and didn't know how fucking dumb that was. 
But yeah, that I know that fucked her up and scared her really bad. Well, you know, uh, so not as funny as you thought. It was just dark. <laughs> um, one time, uh, my dad, my dad had a Maserati when I was oh. uh, younger, and uh, uh, so uh, he would park in the same spot every day uh, in the office building he was in, and he could uh, look down in the parking lot and see his car, right? So, uh, during lunch, uh, I went and moved the car to the other side uh, of the building. And then uh, I had uh, ladies, a lady at the bank call him and tell him that it's been repossessed. Oh, my God. And, and he freaked out. Uh, yeah. He he took all of his check stuff and asked me to come with him to go down to the bank. And uh, we go down there and they, we need to speak to the bank manager. And he's sitting down and uh, showing him all his uh, proof. And the bank manager's like, oh, I don't see any record of this. And he's freaking the fuck out. And then he's uh, like, well, I'm calling my lawyer. And then uh, me and the bank manager go, April Fool's! Fuck, I don't <laughs> see how you can get a bank manager to be on that. Fuck. I well, well I mean, we, we knew, knew her, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> it was fun. We had a good time, and it was fun to... Uh, prank my dad. So, yeah, that was my favorite April Fool's joke. Damn, that's a good one, though. Yeah, I've done a bunch where I've called him and said I was in jail and for him to come pick me up and I was uh, hiding in the parking lot and I go, hey, I'm in jail, you know what I mean? <laughs> So yeah, we used to he he would prank me too. So yeah, I don't I, I don't prank or do jokes or anything like that anymore. I I don't know I I don't know what good April Fools is anymore because people get kind of like the internet just took it too far. The internet ruined it. I mean, just yeah. stupid shit. You know, hey, you always. I don't. I'd never even look at social media on April first anymore. It's so ridiculous. It's yeah. kind of died down now. Uh, yeah. So we we we're gonna talk about movies from nineteen seventy three. What'd you have? I watched the final trilogy or the final film in the uh, Chuck Heston trilogy of. Uh, Doomsday Films, Soylent Green. Oh. And I fucking loved it. It was a great rewatch because it's so timely. Yeah. And it was, you know, just... Uh, was being... it made of people? It was people. Spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, Secret Ingredients is uh, your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's made up of Edward G. Robinson. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, people that they scoop up in garbage trucks. 
Yeah, you know, that, that was interesting because I went... So, so, so the film's based on a book, uh, a story by Harry Harrison, who I'm a big fan of. I, I read his stainless steel rap books. Uh, I haven't read his Build a Galactic Hero, but now I'm kind of wanting to revisit those after this. But this is based on a book called Make Room, Make Room. And it, and it was predicting uh, mass population, uh, uh, and, and, not and, distributed even, evenly. And I think it's set in 2222 or, or, yeah, or, or 2022. 20, 20, yeah. yeah, 2022. It's set to this year. Now, watching it, I, the problem I had with it was it doesn't do a great job of world building. Yeah. Because it had it, it takes that nineteen seventies mentality and doesn't it progress any technology. It just everything is just divided rich and poor. Yeah. Like to the point where the poor people just sleep anywhere on the stairs. Homelessness is at all time high. There are forty million people in New York. Um in the book it's a collection of different people and you kind of follow their story in the film. It's really about Chuck Heston and his character who he, uh, he lives in, uh, an apartment that he shares with Edward G. Robinson, who this is his last film. This was his hundred and first film. And I didn't realize what a badass he was. Oh my God. Incredible. Back in you. You look at his history, like, this dude was anti-Nazi before we even got in the war. Like, he was rallying people to stop buying German uh, in the 30s. Yeah. Like, he uh, he had donated a ton of money. Uh, he was very progressive. He, he was wanting to integrate uh, races more. But, yeah, he was very proactive. Uh, and, of course, you know, later he would get chased down by uh, the Red Scare and get graylisted for kind of listing a few uh, Communist Party people, yeah. you know. Uh, but uh, Edward G. Robinson was great to watch if you've never seen his films because he, he plays a professor who is trying to interpret what's what's going on based on the evidence that Charlton Heston pulls from this crime scene. And this this rich man is murdered. And so we discover through Charlton Heston what it's like to be a police detective and then go to this rich place uh, and see what that's like. So when he enters the home, it's got air conditioning. It's wide open spaces. It's huge. Uh, and it also comes with a lady that is referred to as furniture. Basically, if you can afford an apartment, you get a woman with the apartment. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> and so uh, so he arrives at this place, and this guy's rich, and he also has a bodyguard, Chuck Connors. So Chuck Connors, and I, I know Chuck Connors is a big fucking dude. Yeah. And seeing him next to Chuck Heston, man, Chuck was pretty big too. And, and those two fighting was was great to see. Yeah, Chuck and, Connors was a football player. Yeah, the Rifleman. Yeah. Well, he he was in a show called I think it was on Fox called uh, Wolfman or the Wolf. And uh, uh, oh shit, he did one of my favorite horror movies, Terror uh, Terror uh, Tourist Trap. Oh okay. Uh, and so Chuck Heston goes to this place. He's uh, he's <clears throat> everything is just 
dirty in this world. He's a dirty cop. He just is stealing shit as he's in this place because obviously this guy's died. His bodyguard works for him and his lady works for him. And they basically have the apartment for the rest of the month because he's paid, he's paid for it as, you know, kind of rent. Um, you know, Chuck Heston kind of falls for this girl, but it's kind of a weird deal. You know, it's very 70s. Like, you know, she's just really an object. And he's she's just like furniture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it. It's weird. Um, and so and the other thing that was weird looking this up was the, the the woman who's the love interest and the guy who murders the rich guy are the only two people still left alive from this film cast. Huh. And and uh, while going through the credits and everything, uh, the director I learned was uh, Max Fleischer's son. Max really? Fleischer did uh, yeah did uh, some of the most iconic superhero or uh, Superman uh, cartoons back in the day, like uh, predating you know Justice League, Batman the Animated Series. These were done in the fifties and sixties, I believe, and uh, still d- hold up. Uh, didn't he do Betty Boop? Yeah, yeah. Betty Boop, and uh, and so so his son uh, got into directing. Has a ton of credits, but this is one of my favorites. Uh, when the other thing that was this film was known for is it shows a arcade game in this guy's home in nineteen seventy. Well, it's supposed to be twenty twenty, and it looks like asteroids, but they called it Space Command, and they um, said it's the first. First time a video game has ever been in a movie. Uh, the first uh, video uh, computer game uh, uh, like that, it was probably Space War. Well, and it looked like Asteroids. Yeah, well, it, well, it was a Nolan Bushnell, you know, who uh, started Atari. He, he created and designed and did everything for it, uh-huh. so... It's just neat to see, like, that's their entertainment in the house is to go play this one stand-up arcade game. Like, it's not... They don't really build a future where things have advanced because everything's deteriorated. And I think that's the point. But, like, even the rich people, like, I guess there's a limitation. Like, technology hasn't advanced. Um, All you get is that the world is falling apart uh, through greenhouse gases or the greenhouse effect. And uh, everyone's eating Soylent Green. The population's out of control to the point they have like these uh, dump trucks with front loaders on it that pick up people. <laughs> in the, in I the, know. In the, back. the first time but then I, I think s- about it, but, the, but I think about that night because it's on the poster. So it looks yeah. insane because it, it could sell a book with uh, something like that. And Gene Siskel even wrote in his review, he gave it like one and a half stars. He's like, try not to laugh when the, when the dozer's picking up people and dumping them in the back. Um, Roger Ebert saw it and gave it like three stars. He saw better things in it than Gene. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, I just started shaking my head like, what is going on, man? But... Uh, there's a scene after he's robbed, uh, or not robbed, but uh, I mean, whatever the police do when they take your shit, <laughs> he he took from the rich guy. He got food, like he got some lettuce, and so apparently that's like so extravagant 
they have uh they have a he makes a stew and they have like a tiny salad that's like one leaf of like <laughs> iceberg lettuce and that was improv for the film and it's just edward g robinson sitting at a table having dinner with chuck heston and they're just enjoying this food that you could tell that they have eaten for the first time yeah and and so the key to the past is edward g robinson talking about like the way the earth used to be and they describe it now at a constant 72 degrees around the world like it's at a just a straight temperature yeah, which is which is weird because that was the same thing in Silent Running. Yeah, yeah. I think that's their prediction of the way the Earth wouldn't get so out of whack like it is, uh, was that it would stabilize and just be, yeah. And so they can't grow anything. Everything's, uh, there's no beef, there's no cattle. Uh, they have like a few perks. He goes to investigate the uh, bodyguard's apartment where he has furniture. So he has a woman there and she's eating strawberries. Like she has strawberry jam. And that like is such a delicacy that they said it's like 150 bottle, 150 bucks a jar <laughs> for that. And uh, so when he takes these books and it's funny cause like there's no internet computers, yeah. no shit like that. He just has these fucking oversized books that are the, Soylent Green reports from these years. Uh, and so as Ever G. Robinson's investigating it, he takes these to uh, uh, a, a council, essentially, that are uh, of older people that are kind of like a, a court. Uh, uh, aren't, aren't they like a librarians almost? Yeah, they, they, they call them books. Uh, the people books because essentially they're the smartest people because they have all this knowledge yeah. and history. And so they kind of respect the older people a bit, but then there's times when they're like, Oh, he's getting a little old and maybe you need to get rid of him. Cause he's not all there. Yeah. Like uh, isn't it like a certain age is when you go, uh, go to the weird ass VR room to die. Well, no, you. Those actually are by choice. Oh, okay. The, yeah, so they use the L.A. Coliseum for the suicide, uh, the mass suicide scene, which is uh, if you just are kind of done, you can go there. And Dick Van Patten is, uh, is of is course, one of the nurses, and uh, they'll they'll just put you to death. Uh, and they don't really explain it. You drink some wine, you listen to some music you like, you're in a room full of color and be, it's like supposed to be VR, but it's more of like a surround yeah. screen of like what earth used to look like of yeah. flowers and nature and shit like that. Is, uh, sunrises and all that junk. And, and uh, Charlton Heston has said time and time again, that has been one of the most emotional scenes for him is at the end when uh, Edward G. Robinson's character goes to this place to kill himself because he's read the report, he's confirmed it with the other books of what this means, and it's that the oceans are dying, and the plankton... Because Soylent Green stands for soybean and lentils, and it's supposed to be made up all, of all these plants, and so the 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 uh, everything they're supposed to be using is dead. 
and that's when they discover that Soylent Green is people. So when he realizes that they've just been serving people uh, to everyone in mass, he goes to the center to kill himself <laughs> and just is like, I'm out. Fuck it. This is this place is terrible. This is the worst. And confesses it to um, Charlton Heston. But they do a great bit with the technology of like, he's in a room dying and they have to communicate through this microphone that's not working so that the audience doesn't hear it until he gets to the end when he gets arrested and they're taking him away and he's just, or no, he gets shot and they're, and, and they're taking him away and he is announcing to everyone, Soylent Green is people. Uh, I love it. It's it, it holds up more now than ever. It's weird seeing people in the streets wearing masks in a movie in the 1970s. You know, it's very accurate to today. Uh, they, uh, the other thing I guess they assumed that would happen in the future is that we would convert to metric because this one woman comes out and I goes, I only got a kilo of Soylent Green. I only got a kilo or, you know, or quarter kilo. Uh, and it just looks like crackers they're just shoveling out to people. Mm -hmm. But some a few years after that, they actually put out like a Soylent Green cracker as kind of a, you know, I don't know what they were promoting because it wasn't out. Uh, but I know there is a company now that uses the name Soylent Green and makes a product. Yeah, I know. You it's know. like a nutritional product. And it's like, what a terrible name, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, I guess it's because it has a name. It carries something with it. But it's not a name you would go, oh, that sounds yummy. My guess is they use a name because uh, people remember the name, but not the movie, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the woman who is the furniture uh, <laughs> in the film, she was briefly married to Ryan O'Neill. Oh, and okay. They had, yeah, they had a son together who is in Die Hard 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's my Die Hard connection for the film. <laughs> She also played T'Pau in the original uh, Star Trek. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I, the weirdest thing was, uh, or the neatest thing was finding, uh, going through the Harry Harrison book and uh, looking at some of the artwork for, for the Make Room, Make Room. Uh, the one that I found was designed by an artist who had designed covers for the Who and the Rolling Stone album covers. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you could find Make Room, Make Room, uh, there's a, a beautiful cover. I, I need to look at the artist's name. I hate that I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed going through this one again. Of, of the ways for everyone to die in Charlton Heston's world, uh, you have the disease that that makes uh, the humans smarter and the men or, or humans dumber and apes smarter. Uh, or you got Soylent Green where er everything's out of whack. Or you have the last man on earth, I am legend version where a virus wipes everyone out. All fun stuff. Yeah, pretty good. So uh, uh, I, I, uh, I, my pick is Enter the Dragon. Uh, this was uh, the first uh, American studio film for Bruce Lee. Uh, it was kind of supposed to be like a uh, James Bond uh, with Kung Fu, you know. Uh, 
And and it was uh, his final completed film as well. You know, uh, Game of of Death came out, but there's only the scene with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar left. The rest of the movie, he's wearing a a motorcycle helmet. And some some other guy, you know. Uh, So, (laughs) which is, if you've seen Game of Death, you're just like, what? What's going on? You know, just released the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scene, and Kareem was one of his students. So, uh, yeah. so in Enter the Dragon, uh, he's a like a, a kung fu instructor, and uh, the government has him go to this island where they're like. Uh, uh, the evil guys there, and maybe he's selling drugs or something. I can't remember, but it has Jim Kelly from uh, oh, Black yeah. Belt Jones, and uh, it also has John Saxon. You know, so he was a great foil back in the day, man. He did. Oh yeah, things. he did a ton of the. Uh, he was great in uh, what movie was that? Uh, I did the, or no uh, Nightmare on Elm Street where he played the dad. I'm yeah, uh, the uh, the uh, the what was it? Um, I'm gonna have to look up. Oh, I forget. I forget. It doesn't matter, you know. But he he did so many good stuff back then. Uh, but yeah, if you've never, I remember uh, seeing it in the theater. Uh, in Oak Cliff, uh, uh, my, uh, Taekwondo class and my instructor, we would go on these, uh, like a field trip to the movies and we would go to this theater in Oak Cliff dressed in our geese. Really? Where they'd play Bruce Lee movies. And we'd see uh, Fist of Fury and Chinese Connection, Return of the Dragon, and Enter the Dragon. So can you imagine there'd be all these uh, kids uh, dressed in geese and adults, and we all are in there uh, going to the movie in our karate uniforms. <laughs> in Oak Cliff, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai coming in, and uh, the crowds. You know, it was mainly black uh, in Oak Cliff then, in South yeah. Dallas, and the crowds were wild and ruckus and talking, and you know, just the best to go see movies with so we always had a great time going to see Bruce Lee movies and we would see all kinds of martial arts films you know it was one of these theaters that would play uh, black exploitation movies uh, kung fu movies you know and uh, uh, they would your repertory stuff too 
So, yeah, I mean, that was pretty fun days back then. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally recommend Enter Dragon. Great film. Oh, yeah. Oh, I looked up the artist name, Alan Aldridge. Oh, okay. The uh, uh, book cover artist who did the Who and Rolling Stone stuff. All right. Um, uh, so, what else have you been watching this week? <sighs> That's it, really. I mean, I, I put on Paramount and try to find something, but I've just been watching the Jackass movies again. Just because they make me laugh. Yeah. I just need, like, very simple entertainment lately. My brother-in-law was asking me yesterday because they've been doing a, a bad or a Breaking Bad marathon, and I haven't been caught up on... Uh, uh, better, or What is it? Saul? Better Call Saul? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, like, I just don't want to have to focus and be... And that show is so intense... Like sometimes I just want to like turn my brain off and not, have, and so it's just been a lot of trash TV lately. Uh, yeah, the uh, final season of Better Call Saul uh, starts, I think, on the eighteenth. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We were theorizing because they keep talking about, oh, well, you know, uh, for sure Jesse will show up, right? I mean, we'll we'll have those guys, and I and I'm like. But really, at that point, they're the characters at the beginning of Breaking Bad. So, like, you're just going to see Brian Cranston as the teacher. You're just going to see Jesse as a student. They're not – I mean, I can't imagine you come up with something that would be so groundbreaking for them to say and show up for it, other than the fact that they kind of love playing in that world. Yeah, they pro- they might do it just for fun, you know. Uh, yeah. It might be fun for them to run into him, but never know him then, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, because I, I, I said, well, we got like the El Camino, like post-script kind of movie that showed Jesse's, uh, Jesse's journey. Yeah. And, you know, and I go, I go, because he was wanting them to revisit. He goes, what if we go forward? And I said, well... I've heard that they don't want to do that, but there is the idea that now that you Gus Fring is gone and the blue meth is gone, like who takes over the meth business in that area? You know, there is that kind of question that sits out there. But Jeff really- Bezos. <laughs> Cranking blue meth out of every Amazon facility. Yeah. And he'll he'll uh, send his blue meth into space on one of his penis rockets. <laughs> yeah, that always reminds me. His penis rockets remind me of Gavin Belson. You know, on Silicon Valley, the uh, the. Uh, oh, the, uh, I haven't seen it. Well, uh, Gavin Belson signs his name, and it looks like a dick and balls. <laughs> And so when he put out this product, he wanted to put his name on it. And so it was like this box. I mean, if you if you were back far enough, it, his signature just made it look like a big dick on the box. Uh, <laughs> I never watched that show because of that goddamn oh, J.T.J. Oh, T.J. Miller. Fuck that guy. He sucks. Yeah, he does, uh, uh, anything with the guy in, I just turn the channel, you know. 
they do write him off the show, though. I mean, there are some, but, but good the by the by the like the first three seasons are pretty great, but it kind of gets tiresome. Like I really dig. Uh, I, I want to say it's Josh Woods, uh, the guy who was from The Office that came on that show. I love Kumail. I love. Um, I mean, really, that whole cast kind of blows me away. They're they're pretty pretty funny, but yeah, TJ TJ Miller's a piece of shit. Uh, if you hear anything, uh, in the background, my sister came over my brother-in-law. He, uh, we had a frozen turkey and we, oh, yeah. I took it over to his house on Friday so he could smoke it. So she Ooh. brought, she brought over a bunch of smoked turkey, you know, they kept Damn. some, they kept some of course, but I'm looking that forward to that. Yeah. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah, that's going to be good. So uh, so that's what you might hear in the background. I, I saw Halloween Kills. Okay. Let me, what'd you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's Michael Myers, Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. What's not the like, you know? Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy them just, you know, I, I enjoy him tracking down and just killing people. I love seeing how psycho uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was to have to build her house into the fort it is. Uh, but then there's, I don't know, there's just some things that are in there that I'm just kind of like, because it, it's going to be a trilogy, and I feel like maybe it was padded that maybe there's like two good films in it. But uh, again, you know, it's Halloween. I just yeah, watch Michael Myers kill people. Yeah, I did think it was kind of sad that that uh, a mental patient, everyone thought he was Michael Myers and they're chasing him. I mean, what was he, five foot two or something? It couldn't have been Michael Myers. It's just exactly. crazy. Uh, and it's weird seeing Anthony Michael Hall kind of like running around being... That guy just shows up where you don't expect it. Man, franchise. he was in the Nolan Batman films. He got old. He got, <laughs> we old. got old. Yeah, we got old. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, so I saw Morbius. Okay, <laughs> I want to hear this. We just talked about this on my other podcast. Next issue podcast. If you want to hear us talk comics, uh-huh. and my buddy Daniel, who like loves most everything, just did not like this movie. Um, I never read the comic. Uh, I didn't know if he's a good guy or bad guy. I think he's a supposed to be a bad guy, but he's a good guy in this movie. I guess. Half a good guy. Uh, it was a comic book movie. I watch comic book movies because of the special effects. It's a popcorn yeah. movie. Yeah, that's all it is to me. I don't take them seriously. I'm not wondering what the real, true, dramatic effect of anything is, or anything. I'm trying to get through the movie to watch the after-credit scenes. 
It so, was okay. It was okay. Um, I, I did, he, did, he did feel the need to show us Matt Smith in it, dancing. Matt, he has a dance sequence. Matt is Smith is pretty good, but... Uh, in the beginning of the movie, uh, the Morbius guy is older than Matt Smith. And then the later in the movie, uh, Morbius is younger than Matt Smith. And it's just like, what's going on here? I, did, I, I don't remember the time warp. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Sony knows how to what to do with these movies. They're just holding on to making that Marvel money. They're they're making money. They're coming in under budget. They're just trying to squeeze cash out of it until they have to give it back. Yeah, you know. pretty much. I mean, I, I just. Uh, I, Sony should just let Marvel make the movies and license their own characters back to them. Sure. I mean, that would be the smartest thing instead of trying to make their own movies because obviously they suck at it. They should just let Marvel do it, but let license Spider-Man back to them, license Venom, license all the... Uh, uh, they have uh, Fantastic Four too, right? Yep. Any, anything else? Well, wait a minute. Did they sell Fantastic Four? I don't know. I know some, some, some have reverted back to Marvel that were like in other properties. I think or owned by other companies like uh, Ghost Rider, Blade, and shit like that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. The, you're the expert, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need to do a bit of research on that one, but. Uh, it might, yeah, because I know that they've been talking about the Fantastic Four coming in. I mean, even if... I mean, I would assume that with the Spider-Man movies that Marvel made with Sony, that any part of that would also allow them to use the other characters. Huh. You know, like, you know, if you're making No Way Home money, you, you know, obviously you go, well, let's do this again with the Fantastic Four. A uh, third version of the Fantastic Four. Third, fourth version. Oh, okay. You've got Roger Corman. Then you oh, have yeah, the that's right. Jessica Alba one. Then you have the Fan Four stick. And, uh, I mean, not counting any of the animated stuff, too. But there was also a radio drama of the Fantastic uh, Four in the 70s. Huh. Uh, that Bill Murray did a voice on. He voiced the Human Torch. Look, I don't care what you do. Just bring back Kate Mara. <laughs> you love the Kate Mara? Oh, love me some Kate Mara. So you have Kate Mara and you have Jessica Alba. You love the Kate Mara more than the Jessica Alba? Uh, have you seen what Jessica Alba's turned into? No. She's... Let's just say... She's not putting down any burgers soon. Oh shit, dude! <laughs> oh, so shit. yeah, she can have you can have just cow, but back then, <laughs> uh, okay. But but came Mara now definitely. Uh, so uh, any suggestions for someone to play the future uh, uh, Invisible Woman? Um. 
the future Invisible Woman. Uh, yeah, the big the big fan casting online is for John Krasinski and Emily Blunt to play Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. Or, you know, Reed Richards, Reed, Reed and Sue Richards. Whoa. Which I kind of like. Yeah, well, it could be a, a quiet place, uh, a crossover, you know? <laughs> that he's actually Reed Richards stuck it, in a quiet place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well the, well, the fun thing with Reed Richards since, like, the last movie came out is there is a Reed Richards – Marvel did a universe called The Ultimate Universe, which was kind of this separate from their ongoing stuff. It was like, are you a new comic book reader? We're going to relaunch Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, all these books. We're going to start with issue one. Uh, there will be new origins, and you can read them from here. And it and it was it was a good run. They ran for I think probably like ten years, and then they like kind of killed off that universe. Uh, but in that universe, since they knew that they were kind of you know doing away with a lot of things, they could they could kill characters that were no big deal. They could put two characters together that were no big deal. Uh, but then they turned Reed Richards into a, a, a villain and made him super evil. Who was this guy who had discovered? the negative zone and these alternate uh, universes and started to uh, do evil things. And he was so evil that he broke out of that universe and he's headed for the Marvel 616 universe, which is their standard universe where Spider-Man, where the, all the regular characters exist. Well, that so makes I would love sense. to see John Krasinski take a turn as a evil Reed Richards. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it makes comic book sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's like Roadrunner sense. It's the same thing. Uh, so I I saw uh, the Third Man from 1939 at the theater. In the theater. Really awesome. Uh, I, I went to see it at the the Austin Film Society. They have their own theater. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, they have uh, foreign films and. Uh, 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 indie films and all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, really cool stuff. And they were having an Asian film festival, you know, so uh, pretty cool. Hold on for a second. Yeah. There. It sounds like there are police outside my house. Oh. Hold on. You're in trouble. Do 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 No, I just I there were just sirens. Oh, okay. Like they had just stopped someone and they were uh I don't know. Anyhow, I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, I'd seen the third man probably 10 times. Great film and really fun to see. It. So now I'm going to check the calendar to see, uh, how many other, uh, good movies are going to come through. So yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, so, uh, for, uh, Gen X stuff. 
I saw 1981's, and I've seen it before. I used to have the VHS copy of uh, Toby Herper's The Fun House. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, well, it's good because in the first five minutes you get boobies. Well, I think that was I think that was the rule back in the uh, uh, day. You had to have them, and so he just got it out of the way early on. Yeah, it was to keep people in the seats, you know. <laughs> and also, I saw the jerk. Dude, one of the funniest movies that will never be remade. Uh, it was the the jerk is my favorite comedy. My by far my favorite comedy. So favorite scene. Favorite scene. Uh, he's trying to kill these cans. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just brilliant. I mean, Steve Martin as best. Yeah. It never got any better. You know. Yeah. I don't see him. I mean, like, he's funny. There's tons of funny movies. Oh, yeah. Bowfinger, you can go through a list of them. But The Jerk is on a different level. Uh, it's it, humor you can't do anymore. No. It's uh, it's silly. It's absurd. It's, I mean, cat juggling. I'm, cat <laughs> juggling cat is great. Uh, I mean, Carl Reiner, uh... The Optigrab? Yeah, just amazing, amazing cast. Bernadette Peters, uh, Carl Reiner, uh, um... What's uh, the guy from Caddyshack 2? Oh, Bill Macy? No, uh, his, uh... Uh, the guy who owned the... Uh, oh, Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason. Really yeah, who great. Owned the, the, the gas station. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, M- the new phone books are here. The new phone uh, books are here. M- and Emmett Walsh as the crazy guy trying to shoot him, you know? Yeah. Just, just amazing stuff. I do, I do like the scene where he... Uh, he uh, uh, kicks all the mafia guys' ass until he kicks uh, uh, Iron Balls McGinty in the ball in the crotch. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so good. I love when he's dancing and singing with his family, and he can't get rhythm with them. Yeah, and then but he then... finally does when he gets on the big band station. <laughs> oh my god, that is so good! Yeah, it, uh, if you want to see it, it's on uh, t- uh, Tubi right now oh, for man. for free, and it's uncut. So I hadn't seen it uncut for years because. I watched it. It was on regular TV. What did they TV. cut out of it? Oh, regular TV. Used to be on regular TV uh, uh, all the time, you know. They cut cut out all the best parts, you know. Uh, but Come on, shithead. Shithead. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That dog not hero. That dog shithead. 
And they called him Dummy on TV. Yeah. So, uh, and I loved his letters to his family. You know, like, "Hey, mom, I'm gonna have to. This is all the money I made this week. Yeah. I have to let you go. I got more work. My girlfriend says she's gonna give me a blowjob." Yeah, yeah. Here's thirty two cents. <laughs> uh, so, uh, from the same year, I just got through watching. Uh, Disney's The Black Hole. Awesome. Um, uh, nah, no, nah, not awesome. Kind of. I, I love the darkness of a Disney film, which is essentially like 20,000 leagues in space, right? Yeah. Robert Forrester. He's good. Him. Um, Oh my God! Who plays the big bad? Uh, I his name. Uh, Maxwell. Uh, Max von Sydow. No. Uh, no, that's what. It's another German guy. Yeah. But uh, like Ernest like, Borgnine as Ernest a Borgnine? space hero. Maximilian Shell. Yeah, Maximilian Shell. Uh, Anthony Perkins is in that. There are action figures. You can get an Ernest Borgnine action figure from the Black Hole. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Roddy McDowell plays a robot voice, Vincent. Vincent, yeah. You got Vincent and Bob, the two floating robots. Yeah. I mean... That was their, that was their attempt to do a Star Wars. I, I, as a kid, I dug it. I love the soundtrack to it. I've, I've, I've never seen it as a kid. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. So, I mean, I can understand if you watch it as a kid and you have nostalgia for it, but you can see the wires. I mean, come yeah. on, Disney. Really. But you also, like, the to me, the music is one of my favorites. Yeah, the that. music is good, I agree. Uh, but pretty bad film, you know. Yeah, it's, it is it is not Disney at its best. But after seeing, like, Maximilian Schell, uh, like, his whole look in that movie, yeah. I would love to see Oscar Isaacs take on that role and maybe reboot The, uh, the Black Hole because he has that, like, power beard that he has in yeah. the movie. He has it in Dune, and, and I'm just digging Moon Knight lately. So oh, oh, like you it. like it? Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I did get uh, Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. Because um, I was trying to watch Coda, and I thought Disney Plus had it, but it's Apple TV Plus, so I kind of got it by accident. Uh, but... I do want to see The Black Hole and The Black Cauldron. I've never seen The Black Cauldron. And I want to watch uh, The Mandalorian. And I want to see see Kenobi when it comes out. Uh, Book of Boba Fett, I got to recommend. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to watch that too. But uh, once I finish it all, I'll just cancel, you know. Until they come back, so. Yeah. Moon Knight got really good this second episode. I was really down on it in the first uh, because it just wasn't. And, I, you know, I hate being that guy, but, yeah, it wasn't comic book accurate. 
Uh, see, it, it, I wouldn't know, so. Yeah, and see, like, when I go, oh, this is Moon Knight, like, it's just one of my favorite characters. He's, he's fucked up mentally. He's got multiple personalities. And uh, the character that uh, I, Oscar Isaacs is portraying is Stephen Grant, who, in the comic book, is like this millionaire movie producer. And it's kind of the reason that they compare Moon Knight to Batman a lot because there's a millionaire personality. Yeah. So in the TV show, they kind of said, well, what if we just took away that personality? And they almost made him like Clark Kent. So it's it's weird to see that because it's such a different version. And then uh, you watched An Idiot Abroad, right? No. Uh, have you ever seen uh, or uh, watched Ricky Gervais with Carl Pilkington? Oh, uh, I remember they did the podcast. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. in the XM days, because that's how he found Carl. Carl was like a producer at XM. And so he kind of enlisted Carl on the radio show and found out he was a character, and then he put him on an idiot abroad, and... Carl's just a weird dude who doesn't like change. And so it makes Ricky laugh to put him in uncomfortable positions. And so he put him, he sent him around the world in an, in an uncomfortable places. And, and so Oscar Isaacs has said, well, I wanted to do Stephen Grant as Carl Pilkington. Oh, okay. So that's all I see when I watch it is he does a great Carl Pilkington impression. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll check that out. Um, but the second episode, fucking, they nailed it. They got everything right. Uh, and the best stuff is really Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaacs just just talking. It's not the superhero shit. It's their intense dialogue. Uh, yeah, I... Um... I also watched, uh, started watching Get Back, the Beatles, uh, uh, documentary. Yeah, how's that? Really good. I mean, I, are you, if you're a Beatles fan, you'll love it. Man. Yeah. I mean, the last, I watched that, remember that ABC special that they did, like, it was like five nights of Beatles documentaries? This was decades ago. That, I, that was like the biggest Beatles documentary I've ever seen. Yeah, I've seen that. I remember watching. I think I saw two episodes of it or something like that. Uh, yeah. But this, if you're a Beatles fan, I mean, Jesus, did Peter Jackson do an excellent job of restoring that thing? Just fantastic, man. So, yeah, it's uh, three parts. I've watched the first one so far. Tonight I'm going to watch uh, the second part. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, Netflix, I watched uh, uh, Apollo 10 and a half, uh, by directed by Richard Linkletter. And it, it's uh, c kind of done the same way he did uh, Waking Life or... Oh, uh, okay, yeah, the animation, the kind of rotoscope. Rotoscope, style. yeah. Really, really good. It's uh, about uh, him, kind of, as a kid. It's kind of based on 
his memories of Apollo 11 and that time in history uh, in being in Houston and his uh, this kid's father is in, uh, works for NASA and he kind of, uh, the kid is kind of imagining uh, the way it was and then kind of adding his own, own memories that yeah. he was, uh, uh, real, they made a space capsule too small and they had to use the kid to send it up there to see if it would work. And <laughs> he was on, uh, uh, he was in summer camp, but it was actually going to the moon, you know. But it's, <laughs> it's a fun movie, you know. It, you know, uh, Link Letter does a lot of stuff about. Uh, uh, a place in time, you know. Yeah. Uh, Days and confused, you know. He does really good stuff. So, and, and uh, you know, Boyhood is the weirdest one because he actually filmed it at a time period, and then yeah, and, to go back and show. Yeah, it. it's mainly filmed in Austin too, you know. And I've met Linkletter uh, several oh, really? times. I've had. Uh, dinner with Linkletter. He's a really cool guy, you know. Uh, so, dude, how did you get a dinner with Linkletter? Well, uh, I had a friend. We used to go to Austin Film Society meetings, and afterwards we would go have dinner. And Linkletter was always there, and I would, uh, me and uh, him would ask questions about directing. And sometimes we would uh, help, uh, uh, you know, uh, with the, not really the ideas for the film, but like location scouting and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so we would call up locations to find, ask if we could shoot there and stuff like that. You know, it was back in the day. It was a long time ago. But he's a real could just shoot an email and say I have his I have his I have his email. I've already said I like the new movie, so uh you know so yeah, he's a good guy, you know. Oh man, I love I love his movies. I'm trying to think uh before midnight, Scanner Darkly I own the before trilogy. I have like yeah, those. yeah. I, I do too. The last one. Yeah, I, I can't I watch too. the last one. Um. Yeah, he has uh, really good movies. You know. I didn't. I did not like his Bad News Bears take. I never saw it. You know. Yeah, I mean, he, Billy Bob Thornton was a good casting job, but I think. The Bad News Bears was done at a time that I don't think you can recreate. Of course not. No. In fact, what year did Bad News Bears come out? Because I'm not going, that might be my next movie. Uh, in 1974. Uh, 76, I think. Yeah, I think it's 76. Uh, but yeah, I recommend that film. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
pretty good stuff. You had had me at Link Letters. Oh, yeah. And I just finished watching stupid-ass movie. Uh, Bruce... (laughs) Bruce Willis movie? Yeah. He made it last year. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, all of his... With him coming out about his sickness and stuff, it makes sense that, like... The, the, the kinds of films he's made were for him to just kind of show up, do his shit and leave and make and do it at a minimum. Uh, the whole time he was shot in a car, uh, sitting down, that's pretty much it. You know? Yeah. I've heard some sad stories of, uh, on set that he would just kind of like, suddenly just lose it and he'd be like i know why you're here and i know why you're here but why am i here why? yeah they would well, be ready to shoot a scene and he would just not well he, he had you know aphasia uh will uh uh make you kind of loony a bit uh also uh you can talk and nothing out of your mouth makes any sense yeah. You're yeah, thinking I'm saying this, but you're saying... And I've known... Uh, I knew a guy, he was a radio DJ that had aphasia, and there's uh, clips of him all of a sudden going into aphasia during a podcast, you know? Oh, shit. Uh, so, you know, it's it'd be difficult to be an actor when your lines don't come out normal, you know? And so that's that, That's why he did all these quick rush job films where he was yeah. just on set for like one in two days. Yeah, um, he's, he's just trying to cash in before he can't do it anymore, you know? Uh, try, yeah, that kind of sucks. He's trying to build a nest egg for Dakota, you know? Or, or what, not Dakota, what is it? Uh, I don't know. He's got his new wife and kid, which is insane that he's raising another kid with a, a lady. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, hopefully he retires and has a good life the rest of his life, you know? Oh, yeah. That's what just popped into my head. The, the Alan Aldrich guy I was telling you about that did the artwork on he designed the Hard Rock Cafe logo. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Pretty iconic there. Uh, it just popped in my head with all the Bruce Willis talk. <laughs> I was thinking about Planet Hollywood. Uh, how many uh, Hard Rock Cafes have you been to around the world? One. Dallas. Dallas? Uh, I've been to Dallas, uh, New Orleans, uh, New York... Uh, Amsterdam, uh, Paris, Rome, uh, Copenhagen, uh, Helsinki. Uh, I can't remember oh, I, the rest. I am not a world traveler. Yeah. I'm, barely, I'm barely a Texas traveler. Oh, well, I've always wanted to go to uh, Australia and Asia. I haven't had a chance to go there, but I've been yeah. just about... Uh, South America, uh, Canada, Mexico, 
Uh, I've been to 49 states. I've, I've never been to Maine. I, I was waiting for Alaska or Hawaii because no. you've never been to Maine. I've been to Maine. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. I had been all the way up there and never – I went into Canada and came back in through, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Illinois, area, you know, so – but uh, maybe I can go before I die, you know, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, so trip it to Maine. Uh, I think I have to pee. All right, then. It's time. All right. So we'll see everybody uh, next week. Uh, in 1974. Yeah, we'll be in 1974. And uh, I already picked what movie I want to watch. Or Damn it, I, I did not come prepared. What did you pick? Death Wish. Fuck! Fuck! That's a good one. Yeah, starring Jeff Goldblum. Fuck. There's a lot of good films to pick that year, though. Yeah, I'm looking because I'm, I'm I'm curious. It's weird seeing the top movie maker only making fifty million that year. Yeah, the Towering Inferno. Out, great out, film, out. great yeah. film. I mean, you have uh, Mel Brooks. You got Blazing Saddles and Young yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, Gr- I may have to some, one of those. Uh, great films uh, that year, you know. You got Death Wish, Charles Bronson, man. Uh, uh, Bronson and Jeff Goldblum's first film. I forget Goldblum is a punk in that. Yeah, he he's dressed like uh oh, what's the guy from Archie Comics? Like Jughead? Yeah, he's he's wearing a Jughead hat, you know, and looks like <laughs> Jughead. And uh, which is weird because you're uh, a Jewish gangster. Yeah, yeah. I I I might pick Benji. (laughs) Hey, I I remember seeing Benji when I was two. I what cracks me up is we had these friends uh, when I was younger that were like super Christian religious. And that was like all they could ever watch was was Benji films. Yeah. And I'm over here going, you haven't seen Clockwork Orange yet? Fuck, let's watch that. I got cable. Come on. Uh, yeah, my, I had a friend who lived across the street from me and his parents were a hyper Christian. And uh, they had a VHS library and it was... Um, it was just uh, uh, Bill Cosby himself. And, uh, you know, the whole time I'm like, Pryor's better. Uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, Benji and uh, Cloak and Dagger, you know. Okay, I picked my film. Uh, Benji? Nope. What? Black, Black Belt Jones.
Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on yeah, uh, Criterion. Yeah, and I own that, so I'm I'm hyped. Yeah, uh, I'll watch it too because it's on Criterion this month. So. Oh, it is. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, so I gotta pee. See everybody next week, and I'll let you know when the show is up. Tell Shelby hello. We'll do. All right. Bye bye.